Input. Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we have one story about Elon Musk and another about his competition. Tesla CEO Elon Musk can't stop saying dumb things. So argues InputMag.com editor-in-chief Joshua Topolsky in his blunt essay, What is Wrong with Elon Musk? Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece. Elon Musk is a billionaire, an inventor, an entrepreneurial genius, the first person to ever make a mass-market electric vehicle viable, a visionary who will take us to Mars. He's also behaving like a lumbering idiot who can't seem to understand basic ideas about public safety, health, how viruses work, or when to keep his mouth shut. But, but eventually you can transform Mars into an Earth-like planet. How would you do that? The fast way is, is drop thermonuclear weapons over the poles. The extension of the shelter-in-place, uh, frankly, I would call it forcibly imprisoning people in their homes against all their constitutional rights, breaking people's freedoms in ways that are horrible and, and, and wrong. What the fuck? Excuse me. Thanks for joining me, Josh. Pleased to be here, as always. Elon Musk does a lot of things that upset people. What spurred you to write the essay now? I think lately Elon Musk has been particularly off the rails, but what has really annoyed me and upset me is, you know, Elon Musk is a person who loves to insert himself into the the conversation of the day. You know, if it's like kids are trapped in a cave, like Elon Musk wants to talk about how he's got a great solution. You know, if it's like there's some sort of tragedy, you know, unfolding, there's a flood, you know, he's like, oh, I can solve the flood. You know, he's always sort of, you know, injecting himself into situations that he has nothing to do with to prove like how cool and smart he is. But he's been talking a lot about COVID-19 and the coronavirus, basically in a very Trumpian way, like trying to downplay it, trying to say it's not that big of a deal, trying to be like, oh, I, I know what could work to, to fix it. Like, maybe you should try this. And oh, there could be a vaccine any day now. Like very Trump bullshit. It's like, Elon, you don't really know anything about viruses. This is not your area of expertise. And then he started like in the last couple of weeks doing just straight up Trump tweets, like, you know, give America its freedom back, talking about how it's fascist to keep people in their houses, you know, with the lockdown stuff that we're doing. And and I just felt like, you know, what really drives this? And when you look at it, when you look at all of what Elon is saying and doing, if you l- listen to what he said on an earnings call about, you know, how how mad he is that that his supply chains are being messed up because of the coronavirus, he's really talking about he wants his factories back at full capacity. He wants to get cars off an assembly line. He wants to make some money. And I think, like, if you just get down to the core of it in this case, it's not even Elon trying to save the day. I think he just would like to get people back in his factories and back to work because he's a greedy businessman. So when you ask in the essay's title, what is wrong with Elon Musk, it's basically his greed? Well, I don't think you could sum it up with just one thing, but I do think, look, here's what I think. If I were a billionaire, genius, I wouldn't be on Twitter at all. I would never go on Twitter. Like Tim Cook is never on Twitter. I mean, once in a while you see a tweet from Tim Cook, but you know that there was a team of PR people who workshopped it before it went onto Twitter. He's just not, it's not a space he's playing in because he's busy doing other stuff. I feel like with Elon, I don't understand it. Greed drives a lot of what his actions are. I also think he's a person who doesn't have an edit button and isn't as smart as he thinks he is. And that's a really dangerous thing to be when you've got like whatever 30 million followers on Twitter. Yeah, let's talk about those followers. How did they react to your essay? I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, the reaction was more positive than I expected, but I've got a bunch of filters on my Twitter, you know, a bunch of quality filters. So I I don't think I saw all of it, 
typically, though, when you do write about Elon Musk or when, like in the past, I've had arguments with Elon Musk on Twitter about some of his comments about journalism. And the people who come out of the woodwork are, I don't know, I'm not sure what to make of them. I mean, they're, they're kind of like Gamergate adjacent. A lot of them are like really into Bitcoin. I would describe a lot of his fans as edgelords. I don't know if you're familiar with the term edgelords, but it's like a very online dude who sucks. There's a lot of them that seem like very broken bros, basically. They exhibit a similar trollish behavior on social media. So pretend for a moment that Elon is listening to this podcast right now. Which he is, which he almost definitely is. (laughs) What piece of advice would you offer him? What I would say to Elon Musk is, if you really want to help people, find the people who are doing good work, like scientists and doctors. And, you know, he said he was going to donate ventilators. He sent a bunch of BPAP machines to people. If you really want to help during a time of a crisis, the thing to do is to find the people who are actually on the front lines and give them your support and your money, because he has a lot of it. I would also say, focus on the stuff that you're really good at, because those things are working really well. When you're making, you know, a, a revolutionary electric vehicle, that's awesome. I love that. I drive a Tesla Model 3, which I lease. And I do, every time I read some of his stuff, I'm like, ugh, why did I get this car? But the car is really great. And I love that I don't have to put gas into a car. I love that stuff. I love his solar power initiatives. I think that's really great. What I would say to Elon is like, focus on the stuff that you can be great at and get the fuck off Twitter. You can follow Joshua on Twitter at Joshua Topolsky. Now on to today's second story. Look out, Tesla. South Korean automobile manufacturer Hyundai reportedly will be bringing to market two of its concept electric vehicles, the Pebble-like Prophecy and the equally beguiling 45. InputMag.com news editor Craig Wilson recently wrote about Hyundai's plans and why they're so noteworthy. Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece. If you'd asked us which car company would release the most daring designs for mass market automobiles in 2020 a year ago, we wouldn't have guessed Hyundai would be in the running, let alone leading the pack. But here we are. This year continues to surprise us. And at least in this instance, it's a pleasant surprise. Thanks for joining me, Craig. Great to be here, Mark. You wrote that Hyundai has plans to bring to market versions of two concept cars, the Prophecy and the 45. What's the big deal about these vehicles? So I guess there are a couple of big deals, but chief among them is the fact that these were meant to be concept cars. And you know, concepts are great. They're a chance for automakers to show off some of their wilder, more outlandish ideas, but they're not necessarily the sort of things that we ever actually expect to see on our roads. And that also means that people can get away with some pretty outlandish sort of claims, you know? A lot of concepts are packed with, you know, no steering wheels or these, you know, bonkers interiors and touch sensitive fabrics and that kind of thing. And so there is a bit of that here. If you happen to see this trim little buggy zoom up and quickly swing into a tight parking spot, you'll be looking at a remarkable new car, the Davis three-wheeler. A switch on the dashboard operates built-in hydraulic jacks and makes tire changing an exhilarating experience. Fenders of laminated fiberglass turn with the wheels made of light magnesium. But Honda's going to reel that stuff in and turn these into actual production cars that we should be able to buy in the next couple of years. 
So what do these cars look like? What's interesting about them too is how completely different they look. So I may say completely different. Obviously they have four wheels. They're sort of sleek looking and modern looking, but they're also kind of retro looking. So the 45 is kind of sharp and angular and it looks like it's rolled out of the 1920s. Meanwhile, the Prophecy is very much a sort of mix between a Porsche and a Tesla. It's all curves and rounded off edges and nothing sharp about it at all. And so what's pretty wild is that you've got these two very, very disparate designs that are coming out of the same company. Now, you know, that's incredibly unusual because, you know, when you look at a BMW, for instance, you know it's a BMW. And, and that's in part because of that iconic kidney girl on the front. And that is incredibly deliberate. BMW wants you to know their cars immediately out of the corner of your eye. And so this is a really, really daring move from Hyundai to go, well, actually, there's no need for us to build cars that look exactly the same. We can tackle different parts of the market, but it's feasible in this instance to do it on the same production line. In the excerpt you read, you said that it was surprising that Hyundai was leading the pack here. What is so surprising about that? Well, I guess traditionally, one of the things is that they're thought of as the sorts who make reliable and quite affordable sort of cars, but they're not necessarily the brand that leaps to mind when you think of cutting edge design. So just have it come out of this sort of South Korean company who I think for many people, you know, they think of sort of cutesy little hatchbacks and that sort of thing. It's just pretty unusual for it from that sort of quarter, but it's also novel that they're able to build these two different cars in the same factories. And that's because they're using the same base for each or the same platform form as they, they call it. And so what happens here is you're able to go pretty wild with the designs on top of that. What sets Hyundai apart though is that they've decided to actually do that, which is what almost no one else seems to be doing. Hello everyone and welcome to a very special presentation from Hyundai Motor, a really exciting concept car which we're happy to show you for the first time. Progress is at the heart of our brand and it also has to be in a certain way sustainable. We say for the long-term good of humanity. And if it comes to the future, we are already on our way. We are leading the change in technology and as well in customer needs. These electrified models, we are offering the broadest range of electrified powertrains in the industry. And from mild hybrids up to fuel cell, we have to go beyond using our technology for producing cars. I can say in 2020, this will be our year of electrification. We will supply around 80,000 vehicles in Europe with zero emission. We are still the only manufacturer at this stage to offer fully electrified SUV lineup. You call the prophecy Tesla shaming. Should Elon Musk be worried? <laughs> I mean, lately Elon Musk should be worried, but there are for many reasons other than his cars. You know, will this uh, outsell Teslas? Will these become the new EV that everyone wants to drive? Well, we're going to have to see what they actually look like when they come to market. You know, we talked a little bit about some of the outlandish designs. One of the things about the Prophecy is that in its original concept form, instead of a steering wheel, it has two sort of joystick-like controllers on either side of the driver. And I think those are going to have to be swapped out for a steering wheel if it's ever to get past regulators. But depending on the price point, when these sorts of cars come 
come to market with the growing interest in EVs that we're seeing, there is a good chance that they're going to be particularly compelling propositions, especially, frankly, if they can get the price point at something that's a little more attractive and a little more competitive than the entry-level Teslas, which, uh, you know, you're looking at about $35,000. Hyundai suggests that they will be able to, given their pedigree of making affordable vehicles. But for that, we're going to have to wait till they actually show up. And unfortunately, that's not expected until 2021, 2022. Not that it matters at the moment, because we're not really going anywhere, are we? You can follow Craig on Twitter at Craig Wilson, and I'm at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of tech and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can find Input Output on whichever podcast app you use. Thank you for listening. Thank you.